0: this is lisa and if you want to catch up with me on twitter you can find me at iltm podcast i'm also on instagram at i love that movie podcast uh we also have a patreon the show's always free but if you want to support us on there you can that's at patreon.com slash i love that movie um, and if you sign up, you do get a bonus episode every week just with what else I'm watching because I'm often asked like about new movies and new shows. I am watching those things. I put that on the Patreon. I uh, want to take a moment to thank my top patrons. They are Philip Barker, Michael Cross, and Josh Johnson. Thank you so much for keeping the lights on. Um, and I want to welcome a new patron. Hello, Joshua Green. Shout out to you. Thank you so much for giving to the show um if you like what you hear today please subscribe and rate the show it it does help new listeners find us I've got a familiar voice on the podcast a returning guest say hello Kara hey hey everyone it's Kara the returning guest <laughs> yes thank you for this kind of spooky almost like a ghost like the returning ghost the returning guest Ooh. but you know that fits because we are in the midst of spooky season um carrie you've been on several times over the years um one of the og guests um yes maybe you guys listen to those episodes like indiana jones we did die hard we've done quite a Bit on here, but today we're talking about a scary movie, which is not usually your cup of tea. But you agreed to talk about a scary movie today. Uh, my guest always picks the movie, so wanted to know what uh, what movie you chose today.
1: So I chose one of my favorite movies, uh, which is also oh. spooky: The Silence of the Lambs.
0: Nice. And and care I kind of glossed over your intro. I'm, I'm I apologize. Did you want to? Talk a little bit about yourself, um, if in oh. case people have not heard the other episodes you were on.
1: Sure. Yeah. So uh, let's see. I I have been on the show a few other times, and of course we've been friends since forever since we were yeah. like in kindergarten. So um, a lot of <laughs> our movie experiences. I feel like we we saw movies together when we were <laughs> young. So sometimes we have like inside stuff about them. But um, yeah, I am an anthropologist, currently working as an archaeologist, which is, you know, part of why I love the Indiana Jones films. Actually, I said that backwards. Probably that's happening because of, you know, how much I love the Indiana Jones films. Uh, And uh, yeah, that's, that's currently what I do. And then I enjoy watching usually like kind of silly movies. I feel like most of the movies that I've come on here to talk with you about are not deep movies they're like indiana jones and the rock and the long kiss goodnight and die hard (laughs) those kind of movies which are just fun because i like my movies to be entertaining and enjoyable and i am i am not too snooty to enjoy escapism and and fantasy and just silliness in films even though like fully respect people that that watch deeper more difficult movies but i feel like the silence of the lambs is, is a little bit of both though there's a lot going on in that film which is mm-hmm. the case with a lot of horror films yeah. which I've, I've recently started to appreciate the horror genre more because of the way that i think it's able to deal with difficult themes in a way that other movies really can't and so i've I've been enjoying that lately so maybe maybe we'll do more horror films
0: yeah i think it's a lot like science fiction in that way it's like Mm -hmm. talking about our problems but in a different lens so that there's a little bit of distance and i agree there's there's a lot of layers to this movie and to most horror this came out in 1991 um i will say at the top that if you have not seen this movie, I would pause here and go watch it um, because we will not. I never do like a before spoiler, after spoiler. I'm just I'm I don't want to commit to that. <laughs> We're just going <laughs> to talk about the movie itself. Um, but if you're still with us, then this is the synopsis that I pulled from Wikipedia. Uh, Jodie Foster stars as Clarice Starling, a top student at the FBI's Trading Academy. Jack Crawford wants Clarice to interview Dr. Hannibal Lecter, a brilliant psychiatrist who is also a violent psychopath. Serving behind bars for various acts of murder and cannibalism, uh, Crawford believes that Lecter may have insight into a case that Starling, as an attractive young woman, may be just the bait to draw him out. Mm-hmm. Spooky. Yep. Spooky, layered. This was directed by Jonathan Demme, uh, who directed Philadelphia. He also directed Stop Making Sense, which um, is a documentary that's been making the rounds lately. Um, The Manchurian Candidate, um, and and, and a lot of TV and film. Um, Have you watched any of this director's other films?
1: You know, I'm not really sure that I have, and I probably should have looked at that before we talked about it but i'm familiar with most of those ones that you just mentioned but i actually don't think i have seen much of his other work
0: yeah i looked through his work and i wasn't familiar with a lot of it i have not seen philadelphia or the manchurian candidate um and stop making sense you know is a documentary on uh talking heads which my husband is a huge fan of. So I know he's seen that, but I don't think I've seen that either. So like, I think this maybe sounds like you put out a lot of content that, you know, people are very familiar with, but this is like the first movie I've really yeah. seen. So we'll have to. Yeah. See same more. for
1: me. Like, oh. I know I've seen the original Manchurian candidate, but I don't remember if I saw this version, this would have been a, a more recent remake. I, I may have seen it, but, and I know, I know Philadelphia, I didn't see that either, but I mean, I'm sure we'll get into this later, but there was a lot of backlash from the queer community about this movie, The Silence of the Lambs. And I know yeah, that Philadelphia that. was, yeah, that was kind of, I think, one of his attempts to sort of respond to that and try to, I don't know, make amends or... or rehabilitate his his image or reputation with the queer community but i just i have not seen it and i probably should have
0: <laughs> i really like this movie but i also have a couple of things that i don't love and i kind of put that under the lens of it's 1991 and i'm sure we will talk about that um yeah i i, I am excited to talk about that i also wanted to mention you know the cast of this movie is great too um, you know, starring Jodie Foster as Clarice, Anthony Hopkins, of course, as Hannibal Lecter. Um, was there anyone in the in the cast that you wanted to highlight specifically?
1: Um, I guess those two, you know, are definitely the the iconic uh, actors that we remember from it. And I think didn't both of them get Academy Awards for that performance as well?
0: Oh, interesting. I'm not sure. Let me see if I can scroll down to.
1: I I could be imagining that, but I felt like they both did. Okay, five
0: Oscars, and it says, yeah, it won five Oscars, so let me pull that up as it loads slowly. Um, Yeah. It was a Best Picture winner of 1992. Anthony Hopkins got uh, Best Actor in Leading Role, and you're correct, Jodie Foster also won Best Actress in Leading Role, and Jonathan Demme got Best Director. Wow! Yeah, and lastly, best uh 1992 winner of best writing also for basically. Oh, that's right because it's yeah, and the screenplay
1: screenplay was adapted from a novel.
0: Oh, okay. Have you ever read the novel?
1: So I recently found it on Audible and started listening to it. I haven't finished it yet because I was curious. When I I actually just realized that it was based on a novel. um, I did yesterday. I did not know oh. that either, so I thought, oh, I need to read that, oh, and um, <laughs> yeah, I, I obviously underestimated how long that would take, because as I said, I found out about it yesterday, and thought, I'll listen to that now, so I'm like, you know, <laughs> two chapters in. <laughs> it, it has been interesting so far. The version that I got on Audible had a a forward. Or maybe it's like an updated introduction by the author, where he was talking about his inspiration for some of the characters being based on a, a time that he he took a trip to interview uh, someone at a, a prison or something, and kind of how he got inspiration for the characters based on that. And it it's interesting so far. I okay. I have enjoyed the first couple of chapters, but I can't really speak on it much further than that, but I will, uh, I will finish it later and uh, maybe update you on a subsequent episode.
0: Awesome. That would be, that would be great. Um, well, let's talk a little bit then about, um, you know, I, I guess y- you mentioned Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins, you know, one Oscars, um, their performances are obviously extremely iconic, um, and unique and interesting. And so I can see why they got those awards. Um, Was there, is there a favorite? Like, you know, uh, how do you feel their performances compared to each other? What are you drawn most to in the movie? Like what, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Oh yeah. So I, I think Jodie Foster by far is, is my favorite in the movie. I know that the, the Hannibal Lecter character that Anthony Hopkins Portrayed obviously is is the one that is maybe more iconic or, or more familiar uh, that we see a lot of uh, sort of repetitions of in in mm. popular culture. Uh, it's it's very recognizable. Some of his his lines about you know, having an having an old friend for dinner and things yes. like that. <laughs> he's he's very memorable, but it's kind of like. Uh, it, it's like people being fascinated with this dressed up vision of the macabre, but actually, um, and, and as interesting as it is, and I don't want to take away from, from Anthony Hopkins portrayal. It was a fantastic job, but I feel like the character of, of Clarice and the way Jodie Foster portrays her is a lot more interesting.
0: And of course she's the hero of the film. In, it's more uh, nuanced um, yes. in her performance. Whereas Hannibal Lecter is almost like, I mean, like one step away from mustache twirling. I mean, really? But, but he's such a great actor that he brings depth to a character that, I don't know, has a lot of depth or not. Not really. But, but Jodie Foster's character is written, I think, with more depth. And her portrayal of that character, I think, I, I would agree, is a little bit more deep.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree with that the way you said it. Yeah, it's he he did a lot with a character that didn't have as much to them and that is yes, uh, Hannibal Lecter is of course a main character in the film, but he's not on screen all that much um he's mm-hmm. just very memorable and in, in all of the scenes that he's in but as far as being able to appreciate the depth of the character like you said and everything like that i feel like jodie foster really carried the film uh yeah. in in that way so she's by far my favorite also i just love her in everything she's in too yeah so she's there's great. that i'm biased
0: <laughs> yeah same I mean, we're all biased, right? So um, let's talk, I guess, some of your favorite scenes from the movie. Uh, you can go in chronological order if you want or however you wanna talk about it.
1: I know. I feel like every time I come on, I, I fall into the trap of going in chronological order and I'm basically I, just going over every scene of the film. That's fine. <laughs> that's totally fine. But you know, uh-huh. in in that vein, I really love the movie <laughs> at the FBI Academy, um, and she's you know um, doing something outdoors. She's doing something physical. It it kind of opens with her uh, in the woods doing a a training course because she's of course her character is actually in the FBI Academy to become an agent at the beginning of the film,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and she's out there training. She's by herself, which is kind of a recurring theme in this mm-hmm. film. She's out doing. Very physical, very dangerous things alone throughout the film, mm. and not portrayed in a very like sexy lady in trouble kind of kind of way. You know, she's she's wearing a, a track suit, like regular sweatpants and yeah. and top, and she's sweaty and she's running and exercising, and and that's your introduction to this character, uh, which I just love because you don't see that a lot, particularly if you're going to have. A horror film with a female protagonist i you know a lot of times you're expecting it to be something like resident evil (laughs) you know you have a, a very different portrayal of the female lead and so i i love that right off the bat you you get to see okay this is a serious person who's out doing physical things and is uh, you know a competent full human person that we are not viewing uh through this this lens of you know how sexy is she or something like yeah. that
0: at the same time there's uh, i think a a vulnerability being betrayed where I, I think that we hear a lot of stories about people out on a run mm-hmm. uh, particularly uh women and mm-hmm. something happening to them and so in some ways i feel like even that scene is trying to evoke that that thought of like this person is vulnerable, they're out there alone. Um, yes. and 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 there's a little bit of me watching this movie that always kind of felt that way about the female character of like, I don't know, like, oh, this this girl, this like fragile girl doing all these things. And it's like, I don't know, there's like a weird fascination and viewpoint about that instead of just looking at them as like this person's doing that it's like you're always looking at it under that weird lens of like they're all alone and they're so vulnerable it's like they really you know in a lot of horror movies they portray that with like a woman like taking a shower or going to bed or whatever but there's this Mm -hmm. impending doom feeling about them being so vulnerable either because they're not wearing a lot of clothes or they're about to climb into bed it's like really that's supposed to be a safe space. Like they're not mm-hmm. in air quotes vulnerable. They're doing something completely ordinary <laughs> like right. that everyone does. And it doesn't have that connotation to it for, for people that aren't women. I don't know. Well, right. it's kind of interesting, <laughs> but I do think that the movie is like commenting on all that In a very specific Mm -hmm. way. So I don't view it the same way. But it is something that I think of watching this. You know like maybe that was the end. To get you to. Have an open mind about her being. The main character. um, In a horror movie where she's not a victim. Because usually female characters. Are both the main character and the victim. Yes. She is not. But they have to have this very strong. Male presence. I.E. Hannibal. In order Mm -hmm. to balance it. Which right. I think she can't.
1: Too. She can't just be brilliant and solve the mystery on her own. There has to be this man helping her in yeah. some way. Yeah.
0: Yes. it's it and again, I would say I want to stress one more time in case people are listening and freaking out at home, um I really like this movie and think it was told very well. Um but those are things that I notice, you know, about it. Oh, but yeah. I agree oh, with yeah. you um 100%. It's kind of like when I saw the movie Contact recently, I really liked how the woman in that like her spacesuit wasn't like a sexy spacesuit. It just yes. looked cool. And it's like I think that around this time in cinema, they were like trying to portray women differently. So she's not like you know, not running around uh, in like a sexy cop outfit or whatever. It's like a regular outfit, you know. Yes. She's waiting in the FBI, she's not wearing a bunch of makeup and stuff like that like I agree with you they portrayed her pretty well like this is a normal lady (laughs) yes And and to
1: your point, though, too, yeah, like, they do make her, like, she's smaller physically than most of the other people in the film, and I feel like that gets played up, you know, in in the camera angles and things. She does look small. It looks like her clothes are swallowing her sometimes, although maybe that's, again, because it was the 90s and that's how clothes were.
0: And and, and we're lucky that it's, I mean, there's another way they could have told the story, right, where it was a male detective and they just pick a small male detective and, like, a bigger... mm -hmm male villain like i I do think that that's also like the language of cinema too and so it was progressive of them to have a female character i think that's also smart because pretty much almost all the victims are female in the movie so like having the hero be female makes sense in a way that like i think a lot of detective films gloss over like they'll talk about women all day as victims but then all the heroes are men and you're like that's weird like they have mm-hmm. no agency, and I feel like by having the the a female detective, it sort of gives more humanity to the victims of the movie too. You know. Uh,
1: yes, I agree, and the fact that yes, the in the end, you know, spoiler alert the the female victim does get rescued by Larice. <laughs> yes who is once again by herself in the accidentally you know shows up to the house of the killer and we're kind Mm -hmm. of jumping around here but that is also one of my other favorite scenes (laughs) and you know despite the fact that she is alone which that struck me too kind of to your point earlier about you know why is it always you know we're supposed to be afraid that you know for this this female character in the horror film oh no she's about to get gotten and it does happen several times in this movie where she's gone by herself to some dangerous situation but you notice how during the rest of the film like all of the other law enforcement people that you see are usually in groups or pairs they're
0: interesting they're always others she's othered in general by being yeah female yeah yeah, and she's you don't
1: see like other she has that one other female classmate that's her friend uh in the film. But other than that, it's it's all men and and they do kind of make a point of that um at mm-hmm. a few different times in the movie. Like there's that that moment where she and her boss, the one who originally decided to assign her to the case because he believed in her and, and everything. Um, but even he at one point when he takes her to go to speak to the local uh, law enforcement after they discover the body uh, that, that has been found that was discarded of the previous victim. And it has the the moth in her throat. Um, when they first arrive, you know, they walk into the room and it's just this parade of male cops and they're all just leering at her and staring her down. And then her boss, mm-hmm. you know, makes some comments To basically cater to them saying something like, oh, you know, wait here while we go talk. You know, we can't say this in front of a woman or something. Uh, And and they're all just standing there salivating over her for a few minutes. And then she has that flashback about uh, her father's death uh, and then later takes charge of the situation when they go into the morgue. But she later kind of chastises her boss saying, hey, those people are looking to you as the big FBI guy to see how to act. And you were being sexist and he's like yeah
0: (laughs) and isn't that interesting under the backdrop of this movie is really about male to female violence in a lot of ways and Mm -hmm. i feel like using you know highlighting what's happening to her is is sort of saying like there is a a bigger picture here of than just these crimes like the way that these crimes play out in our society because of the way things are set up and like in some ways like the male um like you're saying that the, the cops are treating her like an object well isn't mm-hmm. that what the killer they're after is doing and, yes you know it's just it's just it's layered
1: <laughs> yes it's like a whole commentary on i guess you could say the male gaze yeah uh,
0: it's it's That's very interesting i've never heard anyone say it that way but you're right like literally his gaze like in Hannibal's yes. gaze too
1: Yes. And it's like, I, I actually, I ended up reading up on this one time I was, um, I don't remember how I sort of ended up on this concept, but it, I feel like it perfectly applies to this film where it's kind of this, this continuous tendency to portray women in films and in real life as objects to be viewed by men. And they're usually sexualized. They're usually... Subservient to, were only important insofar as they are of interest to the male characters and things like that. And we're always viewing women characters sort of through the gaze of heterosexual men in terms of yeah. you know their value being how they are perceived as sexual objects or Mm -hmm. helpers or something like that. And I do feel like this movie comments on that quite a few Mm -hmm. times with, with the way everyone is always staring at her, leering at her. And, and even that final scene in the end, which I just, I love it where she's in the, the basement, trying to to catch the the murderer, who she accidentally surprised in his home, and she figures out it's him, and or them, and uh, they're basically stalking her with night vision goggles, and and you yeah. can see her, and the audience can all see her like through through that lens, and and she's it completely in the dark and unable to see anything uh, until she realizes uh, she hears the 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 gun because uh, he's mm-hmm. about to shoot her. Uh, and and she you know, realizes and and ends up obviously shooting him first or wow. them first yeah. Uh, but, but I thought, yeah there's a lot here well. all of also how all of the the female victims of the killer are i feel like much is made of them being heavy or overweight in mm-hmm. in all of this and it's yes, it's because they're being killed in order to be skinned to make a skin suit but i just i feel like it's more than that i feel like it's you yeah. know kind of commenting on on women being victimized or or thrown away or or demeaned due to oh they're they're so big and honestly like yeah, yeah. It,
0: they're, they're, not big. <laughs> they're yeah you know, they're women. well also you know this weird um gendering size um Mm -hmm. also like you know like oh they're bigger like a man it's like no uh both men and women come in different shapes and sizes and i know you could say like oh well he's trying to fit himself but i do think on top of that there is this idea about like Women are a specific size and men are a mm-hmm. specific size, and like both of those observations are actually not correct. Like,
1: there's right. a lot of
0: small men and big men, and everywhere in between, so like that's not even a thing. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, a lot of times in horror movies, there's a lot of criticism around, especially older horror, around the way female victims are portrayed. A lot of times, you don't even see their face. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we get all excited seeing, oh, they sewed their mouths shut or they cut their head off or whatever. But they're, it's almost like we talk about them like they're not people. Um, yeah. and, 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 the, and to make us feel more comfortable or more at ease, a lot of times we don't always see their faces. Uh, we don't learn about what they were like before the crime happened. And all of that is really by design. And it leads to us being desensitized as viewers And I think it's a reason why in a lot of horror, we start identifying more with the killer because that is how the movie is framing it. I mean, it's not telling us a lot about the victims. It's not telling us anything to humanize them. Instead, we're humanizing the killer. And I think this movie is unique because it doesn't do that because, you know, we, we see a victim throughout the movie that is humanized and then she's saved at the end you know again she's not killed and voiceless like some of the victims are but we see like the way that the female detective responds when she sees the female victims it's awful for her to see the male cops are not as affected by it again Mm -hmm. they distance themselves from it they dehumanize them in some ways and she doesn't um Mm -hmm. and because she doesn't we don't and so yeah. we walk away with a different feeling about the victims in this movie that we than we do in other horror films.
1: A hundred percent. Yeah. We don't want to see the the victim killed in the end. We want her to get rescued and she is rescued mm-hmm. in the end, which is, you know, not always typical of horror films either, because it's not as grotesque and gory as it is, and this is definitely a movie that has a lot of gore, like body gore kind of stuff but mm-hmm. it's not like torture porn in that way exactly
0: yeah and i yeah. think you know there's a lot of discourse right now around true crime and mm-hmm. a lot of it is around this it's around the way pop culture and the media have portrayed uh, uh, uh perpetrators and how we've I think sometimes people are like, I'm obsessed with serial killers. They're so interesting. Well, why are you obsessed with them? Why are they so interesting? Because of how they're framed to you. Like mm-hmm. you're not learning about the victims and their families and, and, that kind of stuff you're only concentrating on the killer and how they kill and that is because of how a lot the way that it's written right like a lot of movies are written that way it's not like an accident that's why you're interested and then also in media news articles reporting on certain crimes a certain way giving killers fun nicknames and you know spending a lot of time well how did they end up this way why are they like that again it is creating interest actually and i think this movie does a good job of like having a very compelling and interesting murderer in some ways you could say maybe they make him a little too interesting a little too smart but at least it's portraying the victims differently and i think it talks you don't walk away from this going like man hannibal lecter's so cool i want to be him you know why because we learn so much about the victims because we identify so much with the with the protagonist who is not him um Mm -hmm. and so that's why i think this movie is a a lot more responsible around that kind of subject matter than some other movies might be
1: yeah i think it is in that way very responsible about humanizing victims and about particularly humanizing women Mm -hmm. in a way that they are not synonymous with victimhood. And I think it does great. It does fall down a little bit. Okay. It does fall down quite a lot in the area of how it portrays queer people, which is a whole other piece of it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I mean, this is a
0: pattern that started with psycho, right? I mean, it is a uh, portrayal of men if a man if a a, uh, you know how how can I say this the best way if a person who previously identified as heterosexual male Mm
1: -hmm. decides
0: to identify as female there's something inherently wrong and evil with that is what these movies seem to say
1: yes and that is then made synonymous with Terror and violence and gore, and it's not just that there's something evil and wrong with them. That, that oh, that's not good enough. They're also a threat to you. They're they're a monster that tears at the fabric of society. Yeah, a kind of narrative, which is
0: which is uh, ironic not good. because who who is committing the majority of these crimes? Right, like it is not people that fit that demographic at it's all.
1: Not it's like,
0: not. And they even say it in the film, in that in
1: that first scene, or maybe it's the second scene. I can remember one of the scenes where Clarice is trying to interview uh, Hannibal Lecter yeah. in, while he's in that prison. And they, I, I feel like the director was trying to address this issue, but just doesn't quite stick the landing. But they yeah. bring it up, and, and she even says, well, you know, there's no association between being I don't remember what it is if it was being homosexual or being trans or whatever and any kind of violence and and Hannibal's like yes 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 that's true and this person isn't a real trans person uh but anyway and we just yeah but it happens so quickly that
0: it's like it still feels like in some ways the movie is capitalizing on fears people have about the queer community
1: a hundred percent, because yeah. this is like in, when did this come out? It was like 1991 or 1992, and this is during the time when, yeah, people people are being very homophobic publicly during this time period, and now we have a film where someone who is, you know, by, by all accounts being portrayed as someone who is transitioning or is, is a trans woman. It's, it's very unclear, but the the murderer is dressing up in, in women's clothing and makeup and dancing around trying to act sexy and saying that the reason for committing these crimes is to make a skin suit out of women. So it, it, it does seem like it's portraying that as evil and and violent and kind of synonymous with this this monstrosity uh because capitalizing on people's discomfort with queerness in any way whether it's sexuality or, or gender identity and associating that with terror and horror and violence which that that is not an accurate representation by any means it's normally violence is normally going in the opposite direction probably in part because of of portrayals like this in popular media where people associate being a crazed serial killer slicing up women with being maybe a queer person so it's it's problematic in a lot of ways
0: i also think if you if you took that aspect out of it like if 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 this wasn't someone who is trans identifying the mm-hmm. act of killing women and making something out of their skin is like the ultimate like saying that they're objects you know yes 100%. and i think that that's probably more where the director was trying to go with it i think if he had just not added that layer of like the person wearing it maybe it would have landed better
1: i I think less problematic
0: by a lot yeah i mean this someone dressing as a woman and that being part of what makes them a monster yes not to mention it's blaming women for his crimes but anyway yes there's just a lot of things that are that don't age well about that um but but also, like, I, I so think there's... it's it's good to address because, like, we want to be clear in saying we do not condone that aspect of this film. Mm-hmm. Definitely not. But we still want to talk about the film itself. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah I agree. And and it, it is kind of interesting to see from more of a, uh, I guess you could say from a sociological perspective, how, mm-hmm. you know, the way that we think about what counts as monstrosity uh, is is very contextually dependent like it's yeah. it's not surprising that in 1992 the big villainous scary monstrous thing that was really going to horrify people is, is someone whose gender and sexuality is in question or in flux or not fully clear like that's yeah. going to be that's going to make a great monster in a time when people are very very concerned and worried and obsessed with that kind of thing so it it kind of shows what was what was being vilified you know maybe at that time what kind of you know social and cultural anxieties were floating around at that time and still are (laughs) yeah Um, sadly yeah unfortunately but it's also kind of interesting too to your point about how this is also about the sort of ultimate objectification of women and and we talked earlier too about everything in this movie kind of being a commentary or you know could potentially be read as a commentary on the male gaze and i think buffalo bill the the villain or the, the secondary villain whatever the one who's kidnapping the women <laughs> in this movie actively um,
0: kidnapping them yeah kidnapping the them past.
1: at that time yeah yes <laughs> um it is also kind of being viewed through this heterosexual male gaze and yeah. is made to be overly sexualized and passive and we don't really humanize that person very much in this film. We don't ever hear from them about what their actual identity Motive even is. is. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. like, we're never we don't know what their pronouns are. I realize that's not necessarily a conversation that was happening in 1991 so much, but we don't hear from this person. They're being viewed kind of through this lens of a scary, terrifying, sexualized object that is confusing and scary, but we're going to watch them dance around nude and kind of enjoy how titillating that is. And then, you know, dispatch them in the end of the film without ever really hearing their voice and obviously they're they're definitely the villain regardless of all that they're murdering people that's yeah. okay <laughs> yeah. but we don't humanize buffalo bill in the way that we do hannibal Lecter yeah. and when i was re-watching it i noticed it's kind of interesting that uh, buffalo bill is not the only one who is murdering and skinning his victims in order to wear them as a mask um Hannibal does that when he's escaping from his prison cell when they're they're transferring him somewhere and the way he gets away is by uh, Tricking and murdering the the two cops who are guarding him and he escapes by Skinning the face off of one of them and and putting it on himself and disguising himself as the injured officer And then the ambulance takes him away and, and he jumps up and you know kills everyone and gets away but he's done the same monstrous thing that Buffalo Bill is doing but in his case he disguised himself as a powerful man and somehow we're kind of on his side in the end like yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's like, a little like, like we want him to succeed but we don't want Buffalo Bill to succeed in in skinning and you know becoming uh, A woman or whatever is happening there which is really just very poorly described
0: and I think (laughs) however I do want to highlight that I think Ted Levine who plays Buffalo Bill did a good job
1: Mm -hmm. and
0: um, he's in another horror movie that I like that nobody has ever seen but I have talked about on this podcast called Banshee Chapter which I think is really good still Um, but he plays in that movie like a kind of like He's very similar to like uh, Johnny Depp's character in Fear and Loathing. It may even be kind of based on the same person, but he's sort of like a uh, hippie that was possibly, well, was experimented on by the government. He gets away and he is forever kind of altered by that and kind of a mess. And like, I don't know, I just really liked his... Performance in that movie and I thought it was interesting. And I always forget that he's Buffalo Bill, so I wanted to mention that really quick.
1: <laughs> that's awesome. I am definitely gonna watch that because I agree. I, I actually do think he does a good job, even with the Buffalo Bill role. It's it's a very it I think it could have been made more interesting had they given him room to flesh out that character more, but they just yeah. that's not what this movie is about. But I, I do think his performance is quite good. Uh, and in the the few scenes that we do see him, he's he's riveting to watch, in my opinion. And the way yeah. that he will slip in between, you know, different kinds of mannerisms that are, you know, masculine coded or feminine coded. It's 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 very fun to watch, I guess. You, um, you I-
0: highlighted something too when you were saying that you know the scene, the nude scene that he does is it's you know meant to be somewhat like stimulating i never thought about that but i think you're absolutely right like the music and like you see his whole body and like i mean it is sexualizing him or them yeah um, and he's he's a good looking. he's he's an
1: attractive person like yeah don't yeah make you're him very white. Right. grotesque in my opinion like i mean he is sexy and he's doing that you know would you fuck me i'd fuck me and and i feel like you know you're you're kind of watching that thinking yeah, this this is a sexy
0: person. <laughs> and, and so how do you think if this movie is kind of about the male gaze, like how do you think cis yeah. men are interpreting that scene? I don't know, it's just that's very interesting. I've never thought yeah. about that like, like is that them re- questioning their own gaze yes in a way yeah
1: that's what yeah. i'm wondering about too if it's it's intending to kind of complicate and problematize that gaze and and make that's why that character is so terrifying because it it makes people question which is yeah. i think continues to root today to be what upsets a lot of people about trans and non-binary people still now, it it upsets these categories about gender and identity and sexuality that people feel, some people feel very strongly should be very clear and very binary and not to be questioned. And then there are wow. these people that blur them and that's horrifying and upsets people's kind of sense of balance and reality. And I think that's wow. part of what was, supposed to be monstrous and scary in this film
0: yeah wow i've never thought about that you're adding a lot of layers i've always really liked this movie but you're definitely adding a lot of layers to it oh good um, yay this discussion <laughs> which is i think you know that's what a good movie can do
1: yeah I, I think so and and of course it, it did get a lot of backlash i didn't know that at the
0: time because i was too young to watch this movie when it first came out um, yeah and i can see why i think it's a valid criticism of the film like yeah. if i were um trans identifying i would be very upset by this portrayal it's negative i mean it's it is no it's way a way negative
1: it. portrayal of trans people like for sure and like as a non-binary person myself like I, I feel that, I see that. Yeah. And at the same time, you know, I find it interesting, you know, looking at it from I guess maybe because I wasn't there when it first came out, I'm watching it almost more as a not a historical event, but it's
0: it's in the past. Oh no, no, yeah. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I it's, think it's interesting um, yeah.
1: to kind of Very. break it down and analyze like, hmm, what was so scary about that? Why is that scary and terrifying to people? And and I think it Yeah.
0: Yeah. No. It's, no. It's you're absolutely right.
1: Yeah. So I um, like it, and yeah, I I do think that the actor um, did a really good job with that character, even mm-hmm. though we're kind of criticizing how it was portraying trans people. I, okay. I I do think the actor did a very good job, despite you know the material that was there to work with. I I thought he was yeah.
0: compelling to watch, and it's mm, it's probably not the first time where someone is gender queer. I hope I'm mm-hmm. using the right terminology there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that is powerful is also a villain. like I mean yeah. some of our favorite sort of non-binary characters like I'm thinking of like um Rocky Horror Picture show I mean yes, you know it's Tim Curry's character is the villain, but mm-hmm. is very powerful, is likable is very sexy. Um, yeah, just interesting interesting Hmm. yeah so there's this desire to sort of comment on it but also an acknowledgement of i don't know it's just of of the fact that there is that that's attractive interesting i don't know yeah
1: yeah there's kind of a, a theory i every once in a while i teach a an anthropology course on disasters and this sounds like we're going way off topic but i'm gonna come back around uh sometimes we talk about the way that different societies sort of use symbolism and metaphor when they're dealing with disaster or periods of social instability or change. And it's interesting to see the kind of like monster tropes that come up in in literature and in popular culture. And they tend to sort of center around this idea of social instability or change or transformation. Mm -hmm. And there's, you know, I I guess some of the literature in academic circles theorizes that this has a lot to do with uh, sort of revealing culturally specific anxieties in ways that people in that place and time think about what is stability, what are the things that I know to be true and comfortable, and then you have these monsters that, you know, are usually symbolic or or metaphorical depictions of change or things about what is, what is the difference between you know the natural and the unnatural or human and inhuman. What does it mean to be human? And these kinds of, of monster tropes are oftentimes kind of revealing what are the anxieties that people are thinking about? What are things that might be changing or that people are mm-hmm. worried would change or that now they're feeling ungrounded or unsettled if this particular concept uh, is questioned? Uh, and I, I feel like we see that in this sort of monster uh in this film where it's it's sort yeah. of questioning that for for people's sense of identity because of course you know the sort of western patriarchal heteronormative idea of gender and sexuality is not the only one that has existed <laughs> throughout time and space yeah, no, um, exactly. yeah Fair and point. so seeing those differences i think sometimes can be very unsettling for people and it's very easy to portray that as as monstrous as it's it's scary to people change is scary transformation is scary and that's kind of one of the themes of the film is this idea of the the character of buffalo bill trying to transform and with the the moths and the butterflies and everything Mm -hmm. very clear about
0: about transforming for sure and and also the main character sort of transforming too yes he becomes
1: Yes, which I think is also scary for people, like particularly in 1992, the idea of a relatively small statured woman being one of the smartest people and also physically capable and also powerful. And it's sort of coming into this male-dominated field that's also scary for some people.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that there's a narrative in our society around well, women can't do certain things because of stature, right? Mm-hmm. Yet we don't go like, okay, who's the best detective? Uh, the biggest guy. Like, you know, like that's not kind of how people are caught, right? Like, right. And, and so this movie kind of highlights, like it, that's not necessary for her to do her job. Like that doesn't really play into it. Um, right. Can we talk about like one scene that I did not like um i think Ooh. i've made peace with it over the years but also bothered me yes what is it so okay one thing that i don't like that happens in this movie is there is a scene where she goes to the prison to talk to hannibal and somebody throws like there's no way to other way to say it throws like come at her and it gets in her yes. hair, and it's humiliating and gross and I remember one time watching the movie and telling Nick, my husband, I was like, that's, I don't like that part because I feel like with portrayals of women as powerful characters, there is this weird desire to like almost knock them down a peg. And I see that scene as doing that. Like you will never watch a movie where a straight cop goes into prison and people throw a cub at him. You know what I mean? Like I just and if you do, it
1: will immediately be followed by a big beat beatdown of whoever threw it, like, and yes. that is that is like noticeably missing. Like that also struck me in this film, and because oh, as you're right. someone who used to work in law enforcement, like I can tell you, people throwing bodily fluids out of a prison cell is a thing that happens. And first of all, that is a criminal act and yeah. action would be taken immediately like she would have gone to the hospital to get tested make sure she didn't catch anything and i, I don't want to say um what kind of physical reaction might have happened but um the fact I think that I can happened guess. and there all of the the leadership of the prison is watching her on camera while this is happening. Even the the kind of nice guard. There's the really mean um, person who's in charge of the prison. Who you know later we are led to believe Hannibal murders and eats at the end, and no one yeah. is sad about it particularly because he's terrible. He indicates that he's going to be watching what's going on, all of the proceedings. There's video cameras, and then the person at the entrance that's just a few feet away at the entrance to the cell block also tells her before she goes in, I'll be watching. And yet that happens. Like, right, that prisoner throws jizz on her face, and no one does anything. Yeah. And I don't think that would happen in real life. Certainly not had she been a man, but it, you you make a good point that it's almost like, yeah, let's let's take her down a peg. Remember, you don't have a penis. That's kind of the <laughs>
0: yeah, and it feels very much a like an attitude of well, you went into that space. What do you expect? Mm-hmm. You know, oh, you and think it, you're so
1: brave. Well, watch this. You know, yeah, yeah,
0: and it's a weird it's probably the only also like in my opinion somewhat of a sexualization of her a little yes. bit too because i feel like that is um when we talk about like problematic scenes i think that that is like a theme that comes up a lot where we feel a lot of people feel that that subject isn't handled very well like let's say there's a a scene where someone's being assaulted but the way that it's shot still feels like you're secretly supposed to think that it's sexy somehow and so like i don't really like that scene because i do feel like that happens in a lot of movies where like if there's a female powerful character there is this tendency to put a scene like that in there yes i kind of don't think it's necessary i mean it could have been like i mean this would be gross too but it could have been pee or poop or something i don't know it just maybe that happens i don't know but i felt like it didn't really need to be in the movie and i just think it's a an opportunity for her to be like ew oh no and like helpless again i don't i don't know it was just that's probably the only scene that i i mean obviously that what we talked about earlier is very problematic and this isn't as bad as that but that's the that's this scene that kind of stood out to me
1: Yes, I agree. And, and she's obviously very, very unsettled by it. Like, as anyone would be. (laughs) As anyone would be, because that's disgusting. And that's (laughs) someone violating your bodily autonomy and also potentially, you know, putting their bodily fluids onto you. Like, this, this is all problematic. And just the fact that... On the one hand, I I get that, you know, as usual in this film, she's there by herself. She's vulnerable in a way that wouldn't normally happen for normal law enforcement officer assignments. And she gets in the situation where this happens. And on the one hand... Okay, yeah, she is never in this film really rescued by a man, which is great. But at the same time, there's a glaring absence of men stepping up and doing their fucking job and doing anything yeah. about these attacks yeah. that are happening to her.
0: So. Very true. Like they're just stand around and go, oh, well, like. And that does kind of in some ways, I mean, it doesn't reflect reality in law enforcement necessarily but it does i don't know yeah it depends (laughs) (laughs) it definitely is a depiction of like what happens certainly outside of it too like yeah you know you see all these these videos there was a lady recently that was like hit in the head with a brick and she like in the video looks around and goes no one did anything Mm -hmm. yeah you know it's like it's exactly that.
1: Yes, it's that kind of
0: thing where people, you know,
1: she, it's it's a portrayal of a woman going into a dangerous situation and then something violent happening to her as a result of that. But at the same time, all of these men were standing there watching it happen and would not have stood by and watched that happen had it been a man. And yeah. and so kind of the implication is, oh, well, you know, this happened to you because you're a woman. No, this happened because men were being violent, and yeah. other and men were not doing anything about women.
0: it. Right. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. like that argument that you hear sometimes. It's like, well, you need men to protect you when you go out at night and you're like finish the sentence from, protect them from men. men? For <laughs> like, men. <laughs> like, yeah. What we need is for good. men to not attack people. That would be <laughs> great. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like that logic is not very good. Right. But, you need yeah. me to protect you
1: from me. But, um, <laughs> yeah. do I need that? Can we just not have any of that? That would be great.
0: Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I never thought of it from that perspective, but I think you're right. It, it does actually make the scene a little bit better for me thinking of it that way, so thank you. Yeah,
1: good, good. Yeah, I, I kind of read it that way as, like, a commentary on, wow, This this is suggesting that, you know, she's kind of being set up. To not Mm -hmm. be backed up by anyone in a way that wouldn't have happened if she was a man. It's not that she's particularly vulnerable because she's a woman. She's being made particularly vulnerable because men aren't doing their job specifically around her in the same way that they would have done had she been a man. Like the other male detectives are not going to people's houses alone like in that final scene which again I love the final scene where she's like in the the killer's house and, and the night mm-hmm. vision goggles it's an exciting scene it's a really good suspenseful kind of horror thriller scene and it's it's fantastic uh, but just kind of to your point again it's it's one of those scenes where you're seeing two different things at the same time you, you think that the SWAT team is going to the killer's house and she's going to knock on the door of uh, some random witness that's unrelated and and then of course uh, what turns out to happen is the SWAT team went to the wrong house and no one's there and she accidentally went to the house of the killer and, and is then there by herself when she realizes it but isn't it interesting that she's always getting sent places by herself but the people who went to actually confront the killer was a team of like 20 men with a bunch of <laughs> weapons and all this backup and everything and she's always the one that gets sent on these assignments by herself. So is she vulnerable because she's a woman or she's, is she vulnerable because people treated her differently because she's a woman and made her to be vulnerable by not giving her the same respect and courtesy and backup that they give to everyone else. And it's, it's the second one. It's that, that's the reason.
0: A cynic would say you know, maybe another reason why she goes alone is so that the character can have their own moment without someone else undercutting it and helping her.
1: Sure, yeah, because it, it w- thats that's a good point, because it would have been less satisfying if she found the killer and then the SWAT team swooped in and subdued him, like... That's yeah. not as good as, as her being able to do it herself and, and demonstrating that, yes, I am a woman, and yes, I am also a capable human being who is smart <laughs> and brave and clever and can do things like run up and down stairs and operate a weapon. <laughs> like,
0: right. I mean, yeah. you know, you make a good point about, like, you shouldn't really have to have an absence of other genders just to make your point either. So
1: right. It's- Yeah, like, no one would have thought, if it had been a male detective, probably no one would have thought twice about, oh, yeah, they they went together, there were two of them, and they confronted the killer, and then they subdued them. Yay, good for them. Wow, that was very scary, and they were brave and did their job. But because she's a woman, if she had had to have help, the narrative would have been, well, she had to have help, even though everyone has to have help. How work. That's how people are. Yeah, that's the point. But you you don't gender that. It's kind of like you know the the argument of well, you know, uh, companies that are run by female CEOs tend to fail more. Um Well, what what might be? First of all, I don't even know if that is true. I've heard someone say that before. I I I'm not even sure that's a true claim. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say that were true. If a business ever fails that has a male CEO, no one goes. Well, you know, it didn't have a man running it. It's it's because of his gender. You would assume that. If yeah. it's a woman, all of a sudden this is a gendered issue now because there was a vagina <laughs> involved, and that, I'm not sure how that's related to you know financial books or, or bankruptcy.
0: <laughs> well, there's also a pattern of um, a company not doing so well and so the male leader steps down and yeah. gives it to a female leader and then it was already going downhill. You know, there's there's just yeah. a lot of things going oh, on. Right. Yeah.
1: They're already starting <laughs> behind the curve and then when someone throws cum in their face, no one does anything about it.
0: <laughs> Whereas, very good metaphor. Have. Yeah, subtle, subtle. Um, subtle. (laughs) Subtlety, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, What What other scenes in the movie uh, have we not discussed yet Mm -hmm. that you wanted to touch on, or or did we? I I you know turn it over to you. Ooh, good
1: question. Let me think. There are so many good scenes in this movie Mm -hmm. that I just I really like. I feel like all of the scenes with Clarice and Hannibal are fantastic because they just, they're both such good actors and their chemistry is great. Like all of the ones where they're, where they're doing their, their, their quid pro quo moments where, you know, he's trying to get into her past and she's trying to get information out of him. Um, They're just, it's, it's so tense. And I, I just, I really enjoy watching every scene where they're, Talking with each other, you're—it's just mm-hmm. you're paying rapt attention. They do such a good job uh, in those those scenes where where she's visiting him in the jail cell, and there's that weird kind of tension of of who's in charge, which is again, Absolutely. you know, kind of like. That theme of power again in the film where, where he's a prisoner but also he's a predator and but she's smaller and appears always alone and vulnerable but and younger than him and less experienced but also at the same time she's the law enforcement officer and she's interviewing him and she is quite brilliant as well and that that tension and the back and forth between them is is just fantastic uh in my opinion
0: it is interesting though that our female leader has to be very young, not mm-hmm. yet completed her training. I, I feel like that happens a lot in movies where the female character is much younger. Yes. And because a if, lot is made she, out of that.
1: Yes. Because if she were older and experienced and brilliant and capable and accomplished and wasn't in any way vulnerable that might not be so interesting to people because then people would say, oh, well, that's unrealistic. <laughs> women can't be that. It doesn't match my idea
0: of, of how the women are. Yeah. It I, so it's just an interesting observation. It. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think she did a great job. I think they both did and it's written well, but that is kind of interesting that she's not a seasoned detective.
1: Yeah, she has to be at some sort of disadvantage. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. why would we care? Yeah, and maybe it's because. Yeah, maybe it's because we wouldn't worry about her as much. It it wouldn't seem like she was in danger. You know, I mean, that could be a piece of it. Like, and that is part of the fun with a psychological thriller and a horror film. Like, part of the fun is that you're scared for the person and you're wondering if they're going to get away are they going to solve it or are they going to get gotten by the bad guy or whatever so i mean i okay i'll I'll accept it to some extent
0: (laughs) yeah yeah and and i mean i but i do think there's something to be said for if she were all those other things you mentioned i do think that at least hollywood would be like well no one wants to see that you know, right. and that does no play. one wants to
1: see women being respected as competent people,
0: <laughs> or, or or above a certain age, especially in the '90s. So,
1: yeah, yeah. But I feel like, even though, despite all that, and we're doing a lot of critiquing, I I think know I'm this sorry. Be, no, no, it's it's good. I, I I always do this. Like, listen, my training is in anthropology. All we do is critique things. That's it's unavoidable. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> but um. I think this movie is actually intentionally shining a light on a lot of those Absolutely. things. I think you were intended to notice it. And so in mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that way, it was very progressive uh, about uh, those things.
0: Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's a very well-made film. And they, I, I don't think this channel exists anymore. It, it might still be on YouTube, but there was a channel I used to watch called Every Frame a Painting. And I think that they did a whole a whole video on on that scene you were talking about in the prison and, and you know, the different vantage points of the different characters and how power mm. dynamics are displayed that way. I, I think it was them that made that video. I saw mm. it a long time ago. It's
1: interesting. Oh, that's interesting. I would love to watch that. I'm going to look it up. Yeah. I, yeah, I just, I, I love that about those scenes where I, it just seems like they're playing so much. With all of these different sort of facets of their interaction where they're both mm. smart and threatening in different ways and and playing off of each other. It's just, it's it's good. I like it. And like yeah. where he's trying to like smell her through the holes in the glass and it's, you know, at once gross, but also scary but also he's acting like he's the gentleman compared to the person that's throwing bodily fluids on people through the bars of the cell
0: yeah also like the the iconic imagery of like the way they have to transport him like how could one dude be that dangerous (laughs) like it's really really shocking because he he portrays himself or comes across like you said as a gentleman And yet they have to, like, put this mask on him and strap him up. I mean, I don't think they would have had to do that with Buffalo Bill. No, not at all. he's portrayed as more threatening looking. Right. He's more threatening
1: looking. But physically, he's not as threatening. And he's the one that gets killed in the end. And Hannibal, Mm -hmm. I don't want to say he gets rewarded, but, I mean, he's the one that... He he gets away, and, you know, no one is sad in the end when he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go murder this dude that, you know, used to be in charge of the prison who was awful. It's
0: it's like... Yeah, you're on his side. You're like, he's the yeah. hero in that moment.
1: He gets that sort of privileged status that the other people in the film don't have, the people who are coded as female or queer don't have that privilege they're not expected to win they're not rewarded as much Mm -hmm. Clarice is in the end um but it's like Hannibal already starts with the deck deck stacked in his favor and Mm -hmm. people on his side even though he's just as bad as Buffalo Bill they're both doing the same kinds of things but for some reason we're rooting for Hannibal and not for bill
0: yep and that's because of familiarity right like like you said it's because he's more quote unquote normal
1: yeah a person the patriarchy
0: yeah
1: yes <laughs> the patriarchy has decided that he's okay
0: His <laughs> <everyone> <laughs> is, is acceptable yeah that's a really good observation i feel like it can't
1: be an accident that those characters are juxtaposed in that way. I think we're intended yeah. to notice it if if we you know really start digging into it.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And, and yeah, that and I can see the
0: director being that being his defense is like you're you're interpreting it differently than I meant it. Yeah, but the criticisms that. are
1: still there. Yeah, it, they are. Yeah, I I don't think he nailed it, but I I can see how it could have been intended to be a commentary on those issues rather than a perpetuation of those ideas. Um, but, you know, there's no accounting for how people are going to take a piece of media and run with it or understand it. And, it, you know, if it turns out that people come away from this with an idea of, oh, yeah. That queer dude is violent and scary, and, and that's what trans folks act like. You know, yeah, you, you did produce a film that made people think that. But right, but and I, time, I would
0: say that that iconic imagery is what sticks with people. It is,
1: yeah. And I feel like maybe, maybe the director expected more of people than what they took away
0: from the film. And Probably. <laughs> you know, I can sympathize. <laughs> but there is some it cultural is what responsibility. what people took away from the film. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Yeah.
1: So it's it's kind of it's complex. It's difficult. Mhm. it and, is a and complex is and
0: difficult complex. um subject and I don't think that the answer is to not tackle it because of criticism, right? So Yeah, absolutely. You know, I it's, think it's Yeah, it it generates a lot of discussion and a lot of
1: conversation and a lot of thought and I unlike a lot of the other movies that I love which are just simple and fun, I, this is a movie that that does go a little deeper, and like a lot of horror films, kind of coming back to what we talked about at the beginning, it it tackles social issues in a way that is different from how other genres of film necessarily might tackle them, and... I think that's interesting, and I've come to enjoy that about horror films over the last few years. Because I think I've mentioned this on the program before. Like I wasn't allowed to watch horror films uh, when I was younger yeah. because our family would concentrate on things that are good or whatever. We were exactly, talking. but at the same time, sometimes horror films, even though they're depicting things that are bad, they're asking questions that are important and that call your attention to things that would be better and good. And so I think that's happening in this film. And I, I really like that about it, that it's, it has some problematic moments, but I feel like it's, it's pointing those moments out to you on purpose to say, hmm,
0: do you think this might be problematic? <laughs> Let's yeah. talk about I also think too, like when you think about how Jodie Foster first came on the scene Um, in the movie Taxi Driver and she plays Iris Mm -hmm. who is a uh, a sex worker and a child um, that is being victimized and then quote unquote saved in air quotes by the taxi driver himself (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, but in this movie she is the the hero and the main protagonist and I think that's kind of interesting too yes I love that and just like Okay, Jodie Foster is just such an interesting
1: person, too. Mm -hmm. Um, In addition to all of these characters that she portrays, uh, like, her life is wild. Like, the whole Reagan assassination situation where the person who did that was obsessed with her, I think, after she was a taxi taxi driver. driver. Mm -hmm.
0: Yes. And she was literally a child in that movie. So just like in that movie, you know, somebody becomes fixated with someone that... um, They should not and Mm -hmm. then commits a crime, which I, you know, some people interpret taxi driver as like, Oh, you know, he was treated like crap by society and becomes a killer. But actually Martin Scorsese said, no, he was trying to portray how dangerous people like this can be all around us and seemingly normal. And, mm-hmm. you know, his intention with that movie was that by the end of it, you're supposed to be creeped out. Like, yeah, he seemed like a hero to the newspaper because he saved that little girl, but like his motives weren't good. He almost mm-hmm. assassinated a public figure in the movie
1: Mm -hmm. And then
0: somebody watches this movie and does that. He was like trying to point out like, this is a problem in our society that is happening. And a lot of violence is normalized either because the person, you know, served and then they come back and they're using this really racist and other problematic language. And everyone's kind of pretending like they don't hear it or just not seeing the signs that somebody is becoming actively dangerous and Mm -hmm. how our society plays a big part in that like that to me is what the movie is about and pretty much what Martin Scorsese has said yet people walk away with a completely different interpretation of it and like think of the main character as a hero which it's yes. fascinating and then somebody mimics that and almost kills a president and i and people still misinterpret it yes I, it's, it's just i don't know
1: <laughs> it's wild and it's i guess it, that's really kind of an interesting comparison to the silence of the lambs too it may have been making a completely different statement than what a lot of people took away from it and i guess there's just no accounting for the the depths of stupidity that people will go to (laughs) what is it that the oh let's see what i think it's a douglas adams quote something all along the lines of you know one of the the downfalls of of people trying to make something foolproof is to underestimate the complete ingenuity of complete fools which is you know, to say um, you tried to say something and make a commentary on something to educate people, but you know you forgot how how silly people can be sometimes and will completely miss your point. And that's an interesting question, you know, that you kind of bring up about you know if you make a film that's intended to say one thing and people understand it to mean something different. Who's at fault? Hmm, interesting question. Yeah. That I have mm-hmm. no comment on and cannot answer, but
0: that's a really interesting <laughs> question. Yeah. Well, we don't have to have all the answers, so that's okay. <laughs> we certainly we don't. Do I don't anyway.
1: <laughs> I um, don't
0: either. Yeah. I guess um what is there anything else about this movie that we haven't, you know, touched on yet that you wanted to discuss?
1: Ooh, let's see. No, I feel like we hit a lot of the good scenes. We talked about the controversial issues, uh, as well as the uh, the really good themes that came out of it. Um, Okay, I will say this, and I don't know, let me ask you, the title of the film was always a little bit, um, I don't know, abstract to me. You know, it's called The Silence of the Lambs, and there's that scene uh, where uh, Clarice and Hannibal are talking, and he's inappropriately trying to delve into her past, Mm -hmm. and gets her to tell him the story about the lambs, where she went to go live with... It was after both of her parents had tragically passed and she went to go live with a relative on a farm somewhere. And she woke up hearing lambs screaming and she goes to see what's happening and they're being slaughtered. And she tried to save one and she takes one and runs away, but it's ultimately unsuccessful. Uh, And that's kind of the end of the story. But then Hannibal keeps trying to connect that to her interest in saving the victims from buffalo bill and saying you know well maybe the lambs will stop screaming if you're able to save one of these people and then that's i guess where we get the title of the film the silence of the lambs but Mm -hmm. that i don't know that that never really fully landed for me it never made sense to me like that doesn't seem well, like her motivation was in the film. And I don't know if we're supposed to think that that is her motivation or. I that... think
0: it is. I think the lambs are women. Um, I think that it, it's kind of messed up in some ways to be like, oh, saving those helpless little lambs is like saving adult women. But I do think that that's what it's implying.
1: Yeah. And that. That is troubling for me. Like, I just never. Me too. That
0: doesn't make sense to me. (laughs) I don't find that analogy to be a good one. Yeah, it does make sense if you put women in a category that's different from men in your mind of like, uh, I don't know. Juvenile
1: and not human. Yeah, I mean, a
0: little bit. I mean, a little bit. I I do think that there's something to that. I do too. I, I, and this
1: is, this is actually why I got the book and I haven't finished reading it because I thought maybe there's more nuance to this uh, in the novel that just isn't, they didn't have time to go into in the film, but maybe it's explained better because it seems like for that to be the title of the film, it's an important concept. And the way that it's discussed, like just, it doesn't land for me. Like I don't, see the analogy and i don't see that as clarice's motivation i feel like hannibal is always like trying to tell her what her motivation is like at the beginning you yeah, know, he's, he's a her- psychiatrist oh. yeah. yes and this is all about like criminal profiling and psychological profiling which is sort of mm-hmm. the, subsequently been debunked as basically pseudoscience <laughs> but it, at the time it was being taken seriously but He's always ascribing these motivations to her, and I don't know if the point is that they were supposed to seem obviously way off, or if maybe they just
0: seem way off to me, and I'm not getting it. <laughs> I I think he was supposed to be nailing her motivation that scene, but I think it's weird that she has to have this experience where she can't save sheep instead of people. Um mm-hmm i do think that that's a little weird like why couldn't the story have been something like something horrible happened to a woman in her family or something instead it's animals and then she makes the leaps from animals to people and i know some people may come at me i'm not trying to say that animals are not important but i do think that's a little strange yeah, that she just... makes this connection between lambs and people. That I, to your point, maybe why it doesn't land for you is because it's not accurate. But if you were, if you saw women as almost like so different from you that like you could make the sleep between lambs and women. I don't know. There's something yes. there, right? but I don't. I think that that's why. If you already can't relate to women as victims so much that it's like they're a different species, then maybe yes. that analogy makes sense. Yes, yes, exactly. And I'm like, I that doesn't that's not how I view people. Right. <laughs> <But, laughs> like, like I didn't like save a puppy in a pond and I'm like, someday I'm gonna save women. Like that's I, strange. <laughs> like I, I don't know. know. <laughs> I don't know.
1: Maybe like it would be fine if you were just thinking I would like to save anyone who's in danger. Uh, this isn't a gendered activity, but yeah, it just—it felt like it was like, oh well, well, because she's a woman, we have to come up with this weird, pathological explanation for why she feels particularly compelled to enter into this field of work, whereas no such expectation is placed on any of the male detectives. Um, no one has I, to analyze I, I, them to explain. I don't know. I,
0: I, I disagree. Like when you think about like Batman, his um his motivation is his parents were killed.
1: That's true. Of so a lot were, of times you know, real t- people
0: Yeah, they weren't lambs. <laughs> but, but um but uh, I do think that there is a tendency, especially with like detective stories, to give them like this really big motivation as to why they do things to make it more compelling. I just think it's odd that it's lambs. I don't yeah, know if that's yeah. because women are portrayed as more nurturing and caring mm-hmm. in general, not just for people, but for animals and everybody. But I can imagine that, like, like I said, I know I mentioned heroes a lot, but um, it would have less weight to it if we were like, Batman became Batman because one time there was a lamb and he saved it. You know, and you'd be like, "Huh, that's interesting. Why? Yes. How does that it would almost be Batman? I don't get it. I've never even thought about be this like, before, though.
1: <laughs> like, if that was Batman's origin story, I feel like that <laughs> would be read as emasculating. Yeah. Whereas the female detective, oh, this is fine. You know, this is, oh, women are supposed to be concerned about the plight of animals and, And then it's interesting then that, like, after that story, Hannibal, like, asks for his supposed last meal or or whatever. They're feeding him meals. I I don't know. But he asks for, you know, rare lamb chops. Like, he's he's been, you know, consuming the thing that she was trying to save. It's like he's eating her. Um,
0: Yep. Which is just so bizarre and grotesque. (laughs) Yeah. I hadn't even thought about that. It's, it's weird. I like how half of this episode is me going. I didn't think about that, or that's like Lisa. Are you thinking thoughts? <laughs> but no, no, it is no, really like, interesting observation.
1: It's only because I literally re- I know, like, we talked about, about this the other day, day and we both. So it. we've seen this movie so many times, we don't even need to watch it again. But then I did rewatch it last night. So oh, and I was like thinking about all these things, and then I found nice. some articles about it. Oh, and very was, cool.
0: Like, Ooh. This is about the male gaze. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I definitely when you think about his like creepy stare, uh, yes. that Anthony Hopkins has for sure. Yeah,
1: like, once somebody made the connection between the concept of the male gaze in this film, I was like, oh my god, this entire film is about the male gaze. He's staring at her. Everyone's always leering at her. And then, like, the final scene where she's being viewed through night vision goggles in the dark where she can't see anything. And then the way she succeeds is by, she shoots Buffalo Bull, but she also shoots... The window which then lets the light in and so she can see and then he can't and i'm just like oh wow there was a lot of symbolism that i never picked up on before
0: yeah yeah i think everything that you're talking about is is there you know it's not like we're like reading into it it's like it it is symbolism that's included in the movie so that's really yeah and i think
1: it was so subtle that not only was it subtle, but it's also now a 30-year-old movie. So we're we're viewing it in a different context. So now when I go back and rewatch it, there are times where I'm thinking, you know, these thoughts like, okay, am I supposed to think that Hannibal was wrong about her? Or am I supposed to think that this is a critique of people assuming the way women are? And I'm not sure which one it is.
0: I kind of love <laughs> that. Yeah, it's very interesting. Okay, well, I think then we're kind of at the end here of our discussion on this movie. So that leads me to ask you a couple of questions. And the first question is, um, if you had to summarize, what is it about this film that keeps you so interested that, you know, that you've seen it so many times and yet you're like, I got to watch it one more time for this discussion. Like, what is it about the movie that does that for you?
1: Ooh, Okay, so for me, this is going to be, I guess, you know, I start out the episode saying this is different than a lot of the films that I talk about on your podcast, because I'm usually picking films that are just fun and exciting to watch, like action mm. films and sci-fi and things like that. But um, actually, if I were to answer this question, it is probably the same reason that I enjoy most of the that other films good. that I've talked about on your podcast, <laughs> which That's is... Fair. The- it's exciting. It's fun to watch. It's riveting. And when you're watching it, you get really engrossed in the connection between the characters and what's going to happen. And it's, it's, it's a viscerally engaging kind of movie. It's, it's physically fun to watch, I think.
0: Yes. No, I would agree with that. Um, and if you had to kind of pitch this movie, uh, it may be some of what you just said, but how would you, How would you describe this movie to someone who hasn't seen it before? Ooh. So I would say, first of all, it's not a typical... Like horror
1: genre film, uh, mm-hmm. in in the way that we think of horror, it's more of like I guess it's I guess you could really say it's more of a psychological thriller, is how I would yeah. actually describe it. That um, would be how
0: you book me personally, because all yeah. my favorite movies are psychological in nature, and a lot of them are psychological horror. <laughs> yes,
1: and this is I feel like this is the movie that, in many ways, defined that genre.
0: It mm-hmm. has a, yes, it's a it's lot of the elements in yeah. movies like that yeah
1: mm-hmm. and before and we it's... had
0: like csi and you know criminal minds and all that kind of stuff too
1: mm-hmm. yeah i think so many of those shows uh were probably inspired by and are drawing on some of the themes and tropes in this film it it really did a lot uh to build that whole genre I, i've even heard i think um, it's been said that like the character of Scully in the X Files was, you know, in some ways kind oh, of even the
0: hair. <laughs>
1: yes, yes, <laughs> like inspired yeah. by this film and and the character uh, portrayed by Jodie Foster. So I, it, it's iconic in that way. It has so much, so many kind of references that are still floating around in popular culture today, like the things that Hannibal says and and some of the back and forths. Like it's if you're interested in the genre, you have to see this film because it's so important to the whole genre, uh, and it's just really fun to watch.
0: Yeah, which is I would agree the reason with I
1: recommend most films on this program.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. It's fun to watch and deep, so love that. Um, yeah. Well, Kara, thank you again for coming on the show and for discussing and picking this movie. Um, I hope to have you back soon. Yes. Thank you for having me. I would love to come back again. And next time
1: I do, remind me, I I will give a brief uh, review of the book, which I'm going to finish reading before the next time.
0: Will do. Thank you so much.
1: (laughs) All right. Thanks. Bye, everyone.